for me, vision is more like mission. It, I combine those two okay. uh, together because my vision is truly enjoy the process. Mm. So it's not about goals. My vision is not in the future. You're listening to the Wholehearted Podcast and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Hello listeners to the Wholehearted Podcast and I have with me today a very, very special guest, international best-selling author, having sold over 400,000 of his copies of his books worldwide, global keynote speaker, and also a social media influencer with over 100,000 followers across different platforms. Right. Wow. Petra wow. Ludwig. Thank you for having me, my friend. Welcome to the So excited. So excited to be in Singapore. Absolutely. Welcome to Singapore, first of all, and welcome to the Wholehearted Leadership Podcast. And so, Peter... Or Peter, um, which one you can you use both. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm used to both. Okay, Peter. Sometimes I use Peter. Sometimes I use Peter, right? So Peter. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about this book that you've written about ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. So the name is the end of procrastination, and procrastination is a problem for all of us, right? Because now we are hooked on social media. We are wasting our time, and then we are wasting our lives uh, doing something meaningless. So, and I'm trying to help people to overcome that. So my life mission is truly to help people overcome their procrastination and then have better lives. Because if you are able to focus on what is important, you achieve more. So you are, you are more successful in your career. You are able to uh, truly be in a present moment more often. And you are not wasting time by scrolling and consuming that cheap dopamine that truly drains our energy and focus and then we are like, uh, we, we feel as shit at the end if we procrastinate. Totally, totally. That's a very, very important recipe for living a wholehearted life, right? It's like, right, just, yeah. really, you have limited time on this earth, right? So might as well make the most of it. I think I read somewhere, right, that people often regret the things they don't do rather than the things that they did. It's the first chapter of the book. Fantastic. I read your book, by the way. I did my homework, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. All right. So tell me a little bit more about um, your 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 journey, right? Because I know you started a business at the age of 19 years old. It's crazy. I I have the same company since I was 19. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a team of 30 people, 30 employees. And I do the business for 18 years now. 18 years. So my my number one employee, Martin, he works 17 years for me. He's our CTO. Then the most of uh, my colleagues, they're working for me for 10 years, 12 years. So it's like my second family. And uh, I, I, I truly love what I'm doing. So, so basically now uh, the company is successful. So I have a freedom to travel around the world and deliver the message uh, in many languages because the book has 22 translations now. So it was published in many Asian languages, Chinese, uh, Japanese, Korean. Uh, now the, the Vietnamese version is coming. Thai version wow. is done. So it seems to me that uh, people have problem with procrastination even in Asia. Because the stereotype is that uh, Asian people, they are uh, they work hard all mm-hmm. the time. They mm-hmm. have strong habits. But uh, my experience, uh, like after visiting Singapore, that you also procrastinate because you have the same smartphone, same apps, same TikTok as, as people in Europe yeah. or in the US. So procrastination is a key. 
uh, topic if you want to be successful in 21st century. What made you start your business at 19? I mean, that's a very young age, right? I think when I was 19, I was still really chasing girls, you know, getting yeah. drunk, you know. But what made you want to start a business at 19? Yeah, I have a very uh, deep and strong story and it's covered just at the beginning of the book because uh, when I was 18, the year before I started, I experienced what is called near-death experience. And it was a very strong moment in my life because I was playing uh, basketball. And I started to feel something strange in my right arm. And I thought that it was because of the ball. So it, it's, it started to uh, be useless slowly. My whole, whole, heart, uh, whole right mm -hmm. arm started to be uh, without any, any movement. And then half of my body slowly get paralyzed. It was kind of brain paralysis. And in that moment, I felt that it's done. I, I truly felt that this is the, the last day of my life. So I was facing my own death like this. And it was not scary that much. It was very sad because you, I, I felt like, oh, now, now it's coming. It's the end. I was like grateful for the life that I lived before. But it was, it was the moment that was a very humbling experience. I explained that, that your ego basically uh, melted completely. And you, you, you were in a situation uh, that is described in those movies, like the, the tunnel with the white, uh, white at the end. So I experienced that uh, just completely. But then luckily I survived. Like after a few days, everything went back to the normal with, without any side effect. So it was very quick experience, like two days. And it was like from the normal life to the bottom and back again very quickly. I survived that, no side effects, uh, nothing bad happened afterwards, but it changed my life profoundly because uh, when you experience something like that, if you experience the deep humbling experience facing your own death, then you live a different life. So this, is, wow. this was my, my key lesson about my procrastination because since then I was, like, uh, I was thinking like, I don't wanna waste my life. So the, the subtitle of the book is how to stop postponing and live a fulfilled life. And I noted after this, this uh, experience, I noted down, and it's just uh, in the first chapter of the book, I noted down this sentence. Yeah? I want to die knowing, knowing that I lived life to the fullest. So that was my first mission. I was 18 years old. I had this first mission of my life to live the life to the fullest. And of course, there was a strong enemy, procrastination. So that was the beginning. And since then, I'm like uh, trying to truly not to waste my life. Wow. On yeah, social media, on Netflix, doing something meaningless. So I'm trying to, to like help others with the same. Because you don't need to experience near that experience to realize what is important. Wow, 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 wow. This just reminds me of what um, no, Bronnie Ware, who is a palliative care nurse, uh -huh. who wrote the book, um, The Five Biggest Regrets of the Life. I the read life. the book, yeah, yeah. It's a very strong one too. Very strong book, yeah. Bronnie Ware is uh, from Australia, right? Uh -huh. You read the book as well. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Because you don't need to experience it yeah. on, uh, on your own wow. experience. You can yeah. read and you can experience uh, stories of others yes. and realize that you don't need to uh, face your own death to live the life to the fullest. That, that, that really, really resonates very deeply with me because uh -huh. I, as a storytelling coach, right, I always tell, tell my clients, right, you can rewrite your story. Oh, yeah. And you know, one day your life will flash before your very eyes. And if it's a movie, yeah. if it's a story, is it worth reading? Is it worth watching? Well, but now I have a little problem with this story because I, I shared this story many times mm -hmm. and now uh, it's almost without, 
that deep feeling that I mm. experienced 18 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So luckily, I have another story, and mm -hmm. it was 2015, mm -hmm. and it was truly very similar. I had a flight from Amsterdam to Prague, and after the takeoff, after 15 minutes, our right engine blew up, and there was fire, real fire, and I was watching from the window. Guy next to me, he said something like, oh, look at the fire there. I was like, no, I don't mm -hmm. want to see that. And it was truly similar, because Ooh. we had to uh, go back to Amsterdam, we had to perform emergency landing, it's the race position that uh, no one listened to at the beginning of every flight and uh, it was very wow. similar and it was like let's say newer experience and sometimes I think that we should like refresh those profound ideas during our life because even though you experience something uh, deep and life-changing you are getting used to that so mm -hmm. luckily I experienced this twice hopefully for the last time I don't want to <laughs> experience that again But sometimes uh, I, I f wish to myself that uh, if you survive those things, as this is the best teacher. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful for those two moments, mm -hmm. those two experiences, because uh, you cannot buy that training. You cannot buy this uh, keynote of, of experience, near that experience, right? Yeah. Wow. Thank you, for Thank you for sharing. I'm just very profoundly touched just listening to your story and, you know, uh, being a highly sensitive person. I was just really processing The emotions you must have been feeling, you know, yeah. all, all the flash, flashbacks. And, well, uh, at the beginning, like, it was very noisy. So uh, the, the, the failure of the engine was very noisy. And if you are on board and <laughs> there is, like, a huge noise, you are scared as hell. Yeah, so everyone was shaking. No one was screaming. Everyone was sitting like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw it from the window. Yeah. So I saw the the fire there. So I was thinking like, this is the end again. And it was so similar because I was thinking, okay, I lived an amazing life. So I was, it was not scary again. It was a little bit sad again. So I was like, okay, now it ends. So I'm here again in this similar situation when I was, when I was 18. So it was very similar. And again, very humbling experience. Again, I experienced that my ego melted and I felt like, okay, Now it's coming. Okay, I, I I did something for for others. There's my book that will survive me. So some of my ideas will be here forever. So somehow uh, it was not scary. It was humbling. But when we landed, it was beautiful. A lot of people were crying. We were hugging. I was hugging the lady next to me, and even pilot he came outside of his cabin and he shake the hand with everyone on board. Wow. And I, and this is the feeling that I truly have now. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so this is my, my much uh, newer experience and much stronger because uh, I remember that uh, like it was yesterday. Wow. No wonder you are you're living life so wholeheartedly right now and then you're really you know, just going out there and living your life. That's why fully. I'm in Singapore, man. Yes. That's why I'm traveling. That's why I'm trying to deliver my message around the world because I believe that this is so profound like to help people understand that life is short. That we were born, the destiny we, that we share is that it will end somewhere in the future, and we can influence what we uh, do with our time. It's I think also it it, it it teaches you to be more humble. You know, all the things, the, all the hang ups that you have, you know, all the people who let you down, the people who triggered you, pissed you off, yeah. made you angry, the person who cut you in the in, in front of you mm -hmm. in the in the in the In the, in the driving lane yeah. all those things just melt away right it's like uh, I think was it Steve Jobs who say the commencement speech in Stanford right like knowing you're gonna die just makes all these things melt away yeah right? um, that was yeah. just just so humbling and I, I recall another another quote I cannot remember who is it from 
He says, at the end of the day, we are all just walking each other home. Mm. Yeah. At the end and of the day, we are just walking each I, other I home. I truly think that if you want to live a fulfilled life, once in a life, you have to face death as a concept because we are scared. We are not talking about that. It's not a common topic during our dinners or with friends when we are drinking beers. We, are, we don't discuss that. No, we don't. But sometimes it's so crucial when you face the possibility that you will die, then you live your life to the fullest because uh, I'm not scared of death. I'm scared to waste my life. This is, this is I, every day is, is in our hands. Yeah? We woke up and the day will end. And what we can influence is this present moment. And I'm recording podcast with you. I'm in Singapore and I feel this is the moment that I want to be. So this is the life that I want to live. I am living my life that uh, is what I want. So yeah, sometimes we have to just stop and realize what we want to do and just do it. Brilliant, brilliant. I also remember this other quote. I have a lot of quotes, man. Uh-huh. Like just talking to you is triggering a lot of memories, a lot of quotes for me as well. It says, don't ask what the world needs and do it. Ask what makes you come alive because yeah. what the world needs is people who truly come alive. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah exactly. And really, and really just talking to you. That's the definition of life. To live outside of your comfort zone, to follow your own dreams, not live dreams of others uh, and don't, don't do things just because the society wants that. Mm-hmm. So I truly believe that uh, my life is my life and uh, I don't want to waste it. And I want to live the life that is somehow, like I call it life with capital L. Mm. Like it's life. Yeah. It's not life, it's life. Life. I like it. Yeah. Live life large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 With Fantastic. capital L. Yeah. Fantastic. Now I want to talk about another L actually. I want to talk about leadership. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so you study a business at 19 years old. You know, I'm sure you probably have a lot of like, oh, you know, you need to be courageous. <laughs> you need to lead. How do you actually go and hire people? Yeah. How do you actually set the vision of the company? Like, Like, like I said to you, right, when I was 19, I don't even know what I'm going to do with my life, let alone knowing what to do with your business, right? And then how do you actually um, galvanize a team and make everybody work together under the same vision, go towards the same purpose? Wow. Um, so how, how did you, uh, what, describe to me a bit of your leadership journey I mean, okay. from, the, from the day you started until now. Again, I have a picture for that because I'm very visual, like uh, I'm what is called a visual thinker. And uh, I will try to describe this picture for people that are just listening the audio version of this podcast. So uh, this is a picture that you have a group of people. And what I always try to work with people with similar values. Don't try to search diversity in terms of values. No, it doesn't work. So search for people with same or similar values, but then search diversity in terms of skills. So I have a group of 30, 30 people around me and they are so different. Our CTO is completely different than my uh, head of marketing and uh, she's completely different uh, like my personal assistant, for example. So the team is very diverse, but all of them, they have their personal visions, personal missions, then that uh, somehow connects with uh, missions of others. So if you have people uh, who believe the same things, then you can create... Uh, the group vision and that's how I motivate my first employees back then because I didn't have money for the paycheck at the beginning so I was 18 19 years old and I had a team that was uh, as young as me so I promised them that we will do something meaningful together we will learn things we will 
we will be better uh, in sales, we will be better in communication, we will be better in a, a, as people. And that was that was my first company about. We were trying to grow and we are, of course, trying to overcome our procrastination because when you are uh, young and if you have a team of young people, well, procrastination is a key enemy of success and results then. So this is this is the way how I motivate people even now. I'm trying to explain this to corporations because I believe that we are all the same. Yeah? Because uh, even though if you have a company with uh, 100,000 employees or if you have a small startup with 10 employees, still you have a people with brains inside their head. And the brain works in, in a very similar way everywhere. So what is the key source of long-term motivation is purpose. Mm-hmm. Purpose is a, according to science. It's not my my idea. It's it's based on and grounded mm. in uh, very very big studies. Yep. And sense of purpose is uh, the strongest long term motivator. And lack in purpose is one of key sources of growth of depression in Western world. Mm. So yep. this is the problem. Like those are those guys from Wall Street mm-hmm. that they have the best universities. They are working in those big companies, big banks, mm-hmm. in Wall Street. But one third of people in Wall Street statistically take antidepressants. Why? Because those are the most successful people from all of us, and they are depressed. Yeah. Lack in purpose is the reason. Yeah, they are so, they are just working very hard climbing the wrong tree. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, my first two uh, two uh, main ideas from the book and from my life: first is value of time, and the second is purpose. Focusing. Yeah. On what are your strengths and how you can use them for something meaningful to help others, to help communities that you are part of. Basically, I call this ego 2.0. Yep. Yeah. Ego 1.0 is selfish. Yeah. It's about goals. It's about results. It's mm-hmm. about your your growth. But then you get uh, you have ego 2.0, mm-hmm. and it's about like how you can use your skills to do something better. How to improve this world for the next generation. How to serve. And uh, you don't need something for that. This you, is brilliant. Yeah. This so, is brilliant. and it works. It, it truly works. So, yeah. if, if you take those ideas and if you try to test them in your life, if you do some, uh, let's say, small acts of kindness, just because, yeah. then you feel much happier than when you buy a new iPhone. Absolutely. I truly promise you. Yeah. Like, if, if you invest your time uh, helping others yeah. with your strengths. Yes. It's important because you should uncover your strengths because we are all unique. My yes. strength is that I can somehow explain complex things. And complex things, yeah. yeah. Make complex things easily Easy, accessible. Yes. So, so that's why the book is uh, with so many pictures, yeah. very simple to read. So my mm-hmm. mission is truly to simplify science and help people to have better lives. And this is my unique skill. Yeah. I cannot teach it. Somehow my brain works visually. It's a superpower. Yeah, it's a superpower. But my, you, you have your unique skills of, of telling superpower. stories, right? My superpower is helping people to recognize themselves. Uh-huh. I have this ability to you know, hold up the mirror to people either through the stories I tell or yeah. through the stories I invoke in them, so that they're able to acknowledge themselves, see themselves in their own stories. Yeah. And if you seen and heard for the first time, I think that's one of my superpowers. And that's why I love our combo because uh, you are a storyteller, and I love my drawings. But it connects together. So yeah. if you have a good story and if you have a good uh, picture of the story, Absolutely. it fits. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of of, of visual as well and, and drawing and creating models. Mm-hmm. I, when I when I do coaching, I, I do a lot of pictures as well of of what my clients tell me, and so they are able to see a picture of the, their own right. life yeah. at the end. This is brilliant. I remember this 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 reminds me of the research by Dan Pink, uh-huh. Daniel Pink, 
in the book Drive, yeah, yeah. right, about how creative knowledge workers uh, cannot be driven by carrots and sticks. And I think you mentioned that in your book. Yeah. And I really, I, that's fascinating. And the second one is also knowing that what you're doing is, is creating a purpose, right? Uh, it, it's, it's make a contribution to somebody. Mm-hmm. I remember Adam Grant, um, who did a research, right? He went to, I think, was it some call center um, in, in, in India? Um, and when they actually, uh, well, no, not, not really in India, it's a call center where these people are actually uh, calling people for donations for, for people I in some impoverished yeah. yeah. countries, right? And so what happens is that he actually invited the beneficiaries of these call centers to pay the call center a visit uh-huh. and share their own stories. Yeah. And so when the call center people heard that all the all the things, all uh-huh. the calls they're making is making a real positive impact, and they're hearing the stories of uh-huh. the beneficiaries themselves, the call rates uh-huh. and the call efficiency and the call effectiveness went up. Um, yeah. So there was very, very powerful intrinsic motivation for people, knowing that what you're doing is making a positive impact in the world. That's it, yeah. And again, it's not our opinion. It's yeah. grounded in science. Absolutely. So if I want to help people, mm-hmm. I don't... Uh, I have to base mm. my ideas mm. not just on my own experiences because I mm. can be flawed. Yeah. Yeah, I can have some, uh, let's say, biases. Mm. But if it's grounded on science, on research, for example, Adam Grant, he's amazing. I truly love him. I like, love Adam Grant too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got uh, my book because my co-author, she's in contact with him. Wow. So, so he has my book too. And I truly love the, the idea of, of doing research. So you have, you have your opinion, then test it. And mm-hmm. if it works, publish a paper. Mm-hmm. And if it works, you can then influence a lot of people. So my work is based on uh, scientific papers, like 120, but it's very simple with pictures. So I think that the combination between scientific approach and simplicity somehow connects together. Fantastic. And it works because people, they don't want to read like uh, hundreds of long scientific yeah. papers. They don't want to dig into data and analyze that by themselves. But uh, we should like help them to understand yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of science, and there's a huge gap between what science knows mm-hmm. about motivation, procrastination, uh, happiness uh, at work, yeah. whatever, but what people do. So yeah. companies they are doing sometimes very uh, strange things that are against the science, yeah. against the science of motivation. Yeah. So they they are demotivating their employees, yeah. and they think that they are doing something good. No, <laughs> yeah, but they are just biased or 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 they have bad mental models in their heads. So they believe that they are doing something good, but it can backfire. So if you just believe to something and you are not based on real data, well, you can do a lot of harm. Yes, definitely. It's beyond ping pong tables, bean bags and pool tables and beer in the in the pantry, right? It's like yeah. a lot. It takes a lot more. I think people are more sophisticated right now. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it, it it takes a lot more to really get people going. And I think motivation comes intrinsically. It's really an inside out effect. Right. It's about yeah. igniting that in people. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N-T-A-N.com. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the work of Cameron Harold, who wrote the book Vivid Vision. Uh-huh. Um, you talk a lot about purpose, but what about vision? 
Yeah. Yeah. Are they the same thing, or are they not the same thing? Well, uh, I use word vision in a little bit different uh, context. Yeah. For me, vision is more like mission. It. I combine those two. Okay. Uh, together, because my vision is truly enjoy the process. Mm. So it's not about goals. My vision is not in the future. My vision is not to buy a bigger car or a bigger house, but my vision is truly uh, about what can I do today uh, for others, for example. So I'm defining vision as a path rather than the destination. So it is a difference between uh, how vision is defined by other authors. And I truly believe that personal vision is a source of long-term motivation, intrinsic one. Mm. So and. There are two very strong motivations. Mm. Intrinsic motivation that is goal-driven. Mm. And it's, well, it's again for your ego yeah, to, to, big, uh, to buy bigger things. And sometimes those people are addicted. Mm. Yes? And I call the, them goal junkies. Yeah, because yeah. they want a bigger house, a bigger car, a higher uh, level on a corporate ladder or whatever. Mm. But at the end, they are experiencing only short periods of happiness and slowly uh, the happiness drains because of what is called hedonic adaptation. So if you buy a new iPhone, how many hours you are happier? Like a few hours yeah, with a new that. iPhone, maybe only a few seconds because you recognize that it's the same. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it works with goals the same way. Like if you reach the, bigger, the biggest goals, like if you win an Olympic gold medal or if you won a Nobel Prize, then again, after a few hours, few days, you get back to the baseline. So goals are not a source of long-time happiness, long-time life satisfaction. But the path is, if you enjoy the process, you are much often in a state of flow. And if you enjoy the process, uh, you have much more positive uh, emotions. You have higher level of serotonin and dopamine in your brain. You are much more creative. So are, you are getting better and better through the process. And this is the way to master it. So state of flow is just the exact opposite of procrastination. Mm. So I'm encouraging people not to focus on goals, mm. not to focus on, on the future, but mm. uh, to, let's say, craft the vision mm. uh, on, a, on a basis of, of the journey. Mm. What is your the most uh, important and interesting journey that you want to live every day? Yeah. And it works because you are in the state of flow and you deliver even more results. This, that is... Uh, Evidence-based too. So if you are not focusing on results, yeah. you deliver more results. <laughs> it's so, fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, and I have a beautiful quote about that. It's uh, it follows like this: like success is not key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you are doing, basically, if you are in a state of flow, you will be successful. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I mean, I live in Singapore, right? I mean, it is a city that is. Uh, driven by goals, a lot yeah. of goals, goals attainment, goals attainment. Um, it's easy to get, you know, um, crushed by envy when you're looking at other uh -huh. people. Yeah, yeah. Comparing, comparing, killing, them. killing yeah. happiness. It's a killer but, yeah. of joy, right? I've never realized one thing. I started my podcast as a passion project and I uh -huh. just do it. I've been wanting to start a podcast for a long time, but I didn't do it. But I decided to do it because I, I realized I'm meeting so many amazing, cool people like yourself and all my other podcast guests. I just decided yeah. I cannot not do this. And I'm having the I'm having such a good time yeah. talking to you right now. I don't even feel it's work, man. It's like I'm just enjoying. This is like That's it. bathing in joy. The path is the destination. Yes. And if you enjoy the process, yes. you don't procrastinate. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And and the outcome is that you reach even more results. Yes. But you are not focused on results, you are focused on the path. 
This is life-changing idea. Yeah, it is. It is. And it is. again, it's based on long-term studies that people that were able to enjoy the process they achieve much more because uh, if they did the research with top athletes, top people in sales, the most creative people, they all of them have something in common: the state of flow. They enjoy the process, and they are telling that they would pay others. To do what they are doing, mm. so it's 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 the same thing with us. We are enjoying the process. If we enjoy that, our listeners enjoy that. Absolutely, yeah. and that's it. We yeah. are not procrastinating that. Just out of curiosity, have you also met? Uh, have you ever met the late Mihai Chichen Mihai, the guy who uh, flow? He was uh, in Germany when there was a Mr. Seligman, and I met them both oh. in person. So I had a training from uh, Mihai Chichen Mihai and Martin Seligman oh, wow. in Germany. It was like eighty eight years ago. Uh, wow. Mihai and Mihai sadly he, he died he passed away yeah. one yeah. year ago two years ago yeah. but his work was so profound to me mm. because he's the author of the concept of flow Yes. so my book is basically based on his research yes. and research of others of course but uh, this is so profound like uh, not to focus on, on future but trying to focus on, on, a, on a present moment because we live now, yes. we live in this moment. So why yes. to focus on what will happen in five years? Oh. You, you, it, it's nice to have some goals. I want to finish new book too about purpose, uh, but uh, I, it's trying to not to be stuck with goals. Sometimes you just check, okay, I'm heading to the right direction. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, like ninety percent of time, ninety-five percent of time, you should be in the present moment. You should be mindful and you should focus. On the path rather than the destination. Again, this is this is the source of uh, long-term satisfaction. Coming back to this this idea around wholehearted leadership, right? It's mm -hmm. like um, you this you do say that in organizations, uh, people are still doing things that's very counterintuitive to to wholehearted leadership that yeah. brings the best out of people. Um, I think Liz Weisman in a book Multipliers called this um, you know diminishing leaders uh -huh. rather than multiplier leaders. They are not force multipliers. I call them toxic leaders. <laughs> Then you have a stronger word. So, <laughs> can you? I, I've seen quite a fair bit of that in, among my clients, and in your experiences working with clients, um, can you share a little bit about why do you think people are become toxic leaders, even though they don't have? Well, this this is so profound question because yeah. uh, I don't believe that people are evil. Yeah. But I think that uh, they have some internal problems that they are unable to solve. And basically, uh, then they are using their problems, own problems, uh, to spread negativity uh, around themselves. So I think that all leaders should uh, go through therapy, psychotherapy, because it can help. Even though you don't have a huge problem, still it helps. So I used to have a coach and I used to have my psychotherapist as, as a tandem, like one week psychotherapy, another week coaching, the next week psychotherapy. And... I didn't have any big problem, but it helped me a lot with, with like being uh, more humble, being able to understand my triggers, what, what, what triggers me. And I truly believe that all leaders should have coaches and psychotherapists. And even though they feel that they are okay, still there is huge uh, room for improvement. And uh, I believe that the reason why some people are toxic is they, that they don't believe in themselves so low self-esteem mm, wow. and it's all about ego yeah if, if you had yeah. a terrible childhood well you can somehow face it on therapy or with your so, uh, personal growth or you can blame others you can you can have that victim mindset that uh, you think that okay uh, my life is shitty because of 
politicians, because of my parents, because of, I don't know, the society. And I think that this is very toxic when you blame others. And if you are a leader, then it's even worse because you are spreading this toxicity to your peers, to your, your employees, to your colleagues. So I should uh, say that uh, being a leader is about serving others. It's mm. not about being selfish. It's about being selfless. So again, uh, ego 1.0 and ego 2.0. I think that leadership is about ego 2.0. You are serving others. Yeah. Leadership is about serving. It's not about like that you are the most important guy in the room. Mm. If you think so, you are an asshole. Sorry. You should be in a room that you are not the, the smartest guy because mm. this is the best team. So I'm trying to build my team uh, of people that are better than me in their domains. Mm. We all have some specific domains. Mm. And if you are in a room and that guy is better in terms of creativity, that guy is better uh, in accounting, that guy and or that girl is uh, very good in marketing, together we can build a strong team. So my leadership was always to lift up others and to help them to have a stronger self-esteem. Mm. So to give them positive feedback, to help them feedback on their strengths, to help them uncover their, their, their strengths. Because uh, if you have low self-esteem, you don't believe yourself, then you don't know what is your value. Mm. And if you know what is your value, you cannot experience the state of flow because one of those ingredients is of state of flow is, is that you uh, have the mastery. You know that you are doing something that is good and you don't need the feedback from others. Mm. So if, if, if we do this podcast, we don't need to, those numbers. Yeah. We just know that it, it's, it's good because we enjoy the process. Yes, that's right. So I'm trying to help my, my uh, employees and colleagues and people around me to just uh, improve their self-esteem by knowing their strengths. And I'm giving constantly feedback, positive feedback on that. So, for example, I can give you the feedback that uh, you all you made an amazing day for me when we met for the first time. We went for a walk in Singapore and it was amazing. So you are so good uh, in terms of uh, being welcoming, warm. So your podcast is about being wholehearted, right? Yes. And you were. So I experienced that in my my uh, real experience. So it's not a bullshit. It's not a name. It's it's real you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the compliment, right? I always say that you give a better sermon with your action than with your words. Uh -huh. There's no point giving a sermon yeah. and saying something. People say that you practice what you preach. I disagree. <laughs> you preach what you practice. You must practice it first. Wow. Then it earns you the right to preach. That's it. right. Yeah. You don't yeah. practice what you preach. You preach what you practice. I, I do that. I, I, can, I yeah. can give you an example. Yeah. Here, it's my to-do list. Oh, and wow. this is the method from well. the book yeah. and I'm using that and if yeah. you can see this was yesterday and this is yeah. today so I'm using my methods and I, I made them for myself Yes. and then I was sharing them because if it worked with me yes. and I'm completely like uh, huge and master in procrastinating <laughs> so that's if, why you're if, very if, if I wrote a book that's the evidence yeah. that I know something yeah. how to fight it because yes. uh, when you write a book about procrastination and you procrastinate it's truly painful and mm. you should deploy all those strategies because I think that I have little ADHD. So my focus is very short term. Mm. Uh, I have a problem to sit and write, mm. but I have my methods. For example, this is a method that is called to-do list. Uh, it's a like visual mind map of your priorities. So it's better than a simple list because if you have a list, then you are overwhelmed and you experience what is called decision paralysis. So yep. the more things you have in your to-do list, the more drained you are and you are unable to start. And procrastination is a time management no, it's, it's more emotional management rather than time management issue. Yeah. So it's not about having like uh, more more tasks and uh, ha having like better system. It's more about understanding why you procrastinate those things. 
And negative emotions are one of the main sources. And you can decrease the negative emotion by uh, doing a mind map. Because if you have a mind map, if you have a visual plan of the day, then you don't need to think. You just know what to do. So you have a map, you have a plan, and you have much lower uh, level of the decision paralysis. So I'm showing that I'm using my own methods. That's and great. without that, I cannot uh, I cannot be successful with my company. I'm and just I I am my methods. You are your methods. I love it. I love it. Like 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 uh, was it James Clay who said that you don't rise to your goals, but you fall to your practice. Oh yeah. You yeah. fall to your habits, right? You don't you oh. don't rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your habits and practices. And the habits are important. That's why yeah. first chapter is about purpose and finding life vision mm-hmm. and understanding value of time. And the second. Yeah. Chapter is just about habits and about about building uh, not just positive habits, but mm-hmm. understanding why we are unable to stick with them. Because uh, sometimes you know what to do, mm-hmm. but you are completely uh, failing in in terms of changing your long term behavior. Mm-hmm. And I truly love one quote. If you also love quotes, so you will love this one too. It's a Japanese proverb, and it follows like this: like vision without action is a dream, and action without vision is a nightmare. And this beautifully describes two main problems. First problem is vision without action. Yeah, everyone knows that he wants to exercise more. Everyone knows that he wants to eat healthier. Everyone knows that he wants to uh, get up with first alarm clock and not snooze. But at the end of the day, when we do the decision, we fail. So vision without action is a dream. But what is even worse is action without vision. It's the situation when you have strong habits, if you have discipline, you have your your perfect to-do list, but you lack purpose. Mm-hmm. Those are those guys from Wall Street. <laughs> they are working hard, but if you work hard on something that is meaningless, there is burnout waiting for you. So that's why action without vision is a nightmare. It's even worse. And if you want to live a life to the fullest, you need both. You need vision, strong vision, know your values, know your strengths, knowing why you do what you do, and then have a discipline, have the action. But you have to start with the vision. So that's why first chapter is about vision and the second is about discipline. Because discipline without vision can kill you. Yep, 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 yep. Many people think of discipline as uh, something that's very uh, hard grind and everything like it's very unsexy. Yeah. But I think discipline is important. So I think we need to have like discipline because um, every time you, you, you do something, right, it's actually casting a vote for identity that you are. Yeah. So when you have the discipline to do something, what happens is that you're actually strengthening your identity as a person, you're strengthening your belief systems, and you're strengthening your values. And when it comes to strengthening your values, right, you will not have decision-making paralysis because uh-huh. decisions are easy to make when yeah. you are very clear with your values. I think it was Bill George who wrote in Authentic Leadership and uh, True North that if you know your North Star, you know your compass, right, you know your values, it's easy to make decisions. Uh-huh. Right? Then you don't, you don't really fall into this um, decision-making paralysis. Yeah. That's... And <laughs> it works. I have so many evidences that it works, not just uh, with myself, not just with my clients and readers. But again, like uh, I truly believe that uh, if you have strong vision, then you don't need that strong uh, habits or you don't need that strong willpower because it helps you. You have intrinsic motivation. So I think that uh, like 80 to 90% of my clients, they don't have a problem with habits. They don't have a problem with time management. They lack purpose. They don't have vision. So that's why that's the first step to help them uncover their strengths, uh, understand their values and ask them like what is what is your purpose in life wow so sounds like a very deep existential question it is it's the deepest one and uh again like people are procrastinating thinking about their 
life missions and visions because it's painful. It's similar to facing your death. You don't want to see that, but sometimes you have to. And it's with purpose. If you lack purpose, if you work in one of those big corporations and you are listening to us and you are, you know that uh, you don't feel positive emotions anymore, you are demotivated, you are empty inside, this is the moment when you should have the courage to face uh, the question, what is your life purpose? But let's talk about middle managers, okay? For example, mm. you, you talk about working in those corporations, right? So um, very often companies, right, at the top, right, they have really positive intentions, right? Uh, we're talking about healthcare, we're talking about like, for the healthcare systems, we're talking yeah. about, you know, um, even... Well-being. Well-being, even drug, yeah. drug companies, right? Um, I mean, some, some of these have really very positive vision and mission. Uh-huh. And then maybe even the leaders at the top, but it's usually the messy middle. It's like the middle managers who... Um, have a sandwich right in the middle, mm-hmm. then they don't feel safe, psychological safety, they, they, they are leading from a place of fear rather than a place of flow. Mm-hmm. They are leading from a place of scarcity rather than a space of abundance. And that's what they actually suck the life out of the room, right? It's like, uh, we talk about company culture, we talk about uh, organization culture, but very often we, we, we don't talk about the micro culture within the team. I mean, even if you don't enjoy working for this boss, by just asking for mm. internal transfer, you can see yourself coming lighting up again. Yeah. But I think it's nor, not their fault. I think that always uh, fish stinks from the head. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that if you have a uh, toxic middle management, it's mm. always because you have toxic top management. Uh, okay. So I truly believe that if, if you are experiencing... Uh, in your life that uh, you feel that you have toxic bosses, mm-hmm. it's difficult to change things from the bottom oh. top because uh, it's may- maybe one of those scenarios that uh, sometimes you need to have a courage to give the boss the feedback and if it doesn't work, to leave. Yeah, Have a courage to leave uh, can save your life because if you don't have a courage to leave or if you don't have a courage to say no. Well, uh, th- this is the, the, the most profound idea behind uh, uh, my, my, let's say, uh, last 10 years of experience of delivering keynotes about procrastination, that the crucial ability is to have the courage to say no. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have the courage to say no, then you are overwhelmed by priorities of other people. Yeah. And you can have perfect time management system, but uh, if you don't have the courage to say no, your email is full of priorities of others. Yeah. You are doing things that you don't want to do. Yeah. And sometimes to say no means to quit. Mm. And it's not a bad thing. I think yeah. that uh, me as a manager, uh, I also encourage people to have a courage to say no to me. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the thing. And that's a sign of a psychological safety. Yes. If if you're if you're uh, if a member of your team yeah. uh, tells you that you are an asshole, you have yeah. a great team yeah. because he's safe to uh, to tell that. Absolutely. So it's not a problem that uh, my colleagues are telling me no because uh, of course I have my vision, I know w- what to do, but sometimes they are smarter than me, and mm. I want them to have a courage to say, Peter, now you are wrong. Yep. And I can admit that. And sometimes yes. I'm like, no, I feel that I'm right, and then we argue, we discuss, and at the end, I can make the decision. I can tell, this is my company. I want it that way. Sometimes it happens, like once in a year. But most of the time, I'm, I'm telling them, okay, do it. If you fail, it's on your, on, on you, but uh, try it. Uh, it's, it's basically your position. You are a marketing uh, guy, so your That's opinion is, is valuable to me. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I think that the best system of management is, is truly... Uh, 
okay, you are a leader yeah. uh, or you are a business owner. Mm. Well, it's a different, you have a different position. Yep. But at the end of the day, the best leaders are humble leaders. Yes. They don't take it. it as a uh, superpower. Yep. They take it as a way how to serve even more people. Yes. So if I have employees, if I have small team, if I have influence on my big teams, still it's the same. Yeah. I should ask myself, how can I use my unique skills as a manager to improve the work environment? How to serve even better products to my clients? How to uh, help the society around? Because like to think about growth is mentality of cancer cell. Yeah, and less growth is, is toxic again. So I truly love family businesses because family businesses, they think in the long term because they want to pass the company to the next generation. Sometimes if you have co corporations that are on a stock market, then they think very uh, in the short term because yeah. they are planning only, uh, they have KPIs on one year, sometimes four years, but it's very short term. And they, they, they know that they won't be there in 10 years, in 20 years, those managers. And this is truly toxic because uh, endless growth is a mentality of the cancer cell, as I mentioned. And mm -hmm. sometimes uh, what is truly, truly important is ask yourself like how to be the best leader not for this generation, but for the next generation. So basically how we can save this beautiful world and improve it for our kids. Absolutely. And through building a good companies, because I believe that companies are crucial for that because companies are doing all those innovations. Yeah. So I, I'm very like uh, entrepreneur. I have very strong entrepreneur mindset, but I truly believe that even entrepreneurs, they should look around, not just Absolutely. focus on their endless growth. Absolutely. Just uh, a lot of like, empirical evidence comes to mind. I think the fall of Nokia, the fall of uh, GE, you know, um, General Electric, and also, of course, what happens to Boeing, right? It's like when you're thinking about you know, short-term yeah. benefits, rushing uh, the 737 MAX to market. Let me uh, sum up this because you have those two motivations, mm -hmm. egoistic, ego 1.0, selfish, mm -hmm. and the selfless. Yep. And you need to combine both yep. because if you are too selfish, you are an asshole, basically. You are a bad manager, you are toxic then. But if you are too selfless, it's also bad because then you don't have a courage to say no and you are serving to others, but yeah. uh, you, you are a victim because because you, you do things that you don't want to do for yourself. So basically, uh, it's also not a, a good life path. People-pleasing. Yeah. People-pleasing. That's also a cop-out to me. So, when we go into people-pleasing, we are just it's a cop-out to me because you don't have the courage to say no. Yeah. And therefore, you just say yes for the sake exactly. of getting along. Yeah. And to me, that's a cop-out. So, and it's false dilemma. You don't need to choose whether it be selfish mm -hmm. or selfless. You can combine those things together. Yep. And that's that's the source of wisdom. I that's, think that wisdom is being in between, yeah. being systematic yeah. and creative, being emotional and rational, being yeah. selfish and selfless. Yeah. So combine those two strengths together is, is the wisdom. Exactly. Avoiding the fool's choice. Mm -hmm. All right, we, we come almost to the end of our podcast. And usually on our podcast, we ask our, our clients some quick, uh, our guests, some quick fire questions. Right, to end okay. So are you ready for some quick fire questions? Let's do this. So the way it works is I just ask a question. You just give the answer that first comes yeah. to your mind and just keep it short. Right. What's the most powerful question you've ever been asked before? Wow. Well, what is the purpose of my life? Great. Who's a mentor or supporter who has made the biggest difference in your life? Well, my parents, definitely, and my grandma. My grandma was completely uh, amazing person. She was very humble. Uh, and I remember her as my second mother. And she was the lady that influenced me the most with my values. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Who, what's one of the most courageous thing you have done in your life that's made all the difference in, in your life? Well, I'm very proud of the uh, campaign that I did during COVID because I did a campaign that was called Masks for All. It was uh, trying to learn uh, to teach uh, people in, in Europe and in the US to wear face masks. And uh, I made a video with my friend. It went viral. It had a reach of 1.3 billion. So it was crazy. It was in my new CNN, BBC, everywhere. And uh, for me, this was the moment that I truly lived my life uh, the most because uh, probably it saved a lot of lives. And it, it was so tough because uh, in that time, no one believes that mask, uh, masks work. But we changed the opinion of WHO. We changed the opinion of uh, of those agencies around the world, like FDA, and it was huge for me. So this was the moment that I can die tomorrow, and I know that I did something meaningful for the whole mankind, wow. for the whole world in that time. So meaningful, fantastic. Once again, thank you very much, uh, Peter, for coming on this uh, whole other leadership podcast. And, um, you know, uh, our listeners can, can find out more about you um, through your links uh, in the show notes. And uh, if you want to get a copy of, of the book, it's uh, procrastination.com. Yes, we have the domain with the keyword procrastination. How it's it's lovely. How did you get that domain? Man? Don't like, ask me. It was yeah. super, super expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could buy like a lot of iPhones for that. But, but still, for the branding perspective, it's nice Absolutely. to have procrastination.com. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So once again, thank you very much, Peter, for being on this. Thank you so much. Show. Wow. Was it, what a pleasure. What a pleasure. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you have enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode? To the next episode. Stay wholehearted.